So here we go then, the Mayo season preview, and it's certainly been the one that you have all been waiting for, a lot of people have been asking for, and for Mayo in general, I mean last year was ups and downs, highs and lows, agony and ecstasy, all the rest, you know, roller coaster ride following the Mayo senior footballers, very much continued last year, Mayo had that huge moment beating Dublin, which wasn't so huge for me, obviously as a Dublin fan, but it was huge for Mayo, no doubt about it, and you go in against Tyrone as favourites to win the All-Ireland, but it wasn't meant to be. Tyrone got the victory. They got the win. They won the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. And the long drought, long wait, the famine continues for the Mayo Senior Footballers. But I do think all in all it was a positive year for Mayo last year. When you look at the injuries that they had in Killian O'Connor. And Mayo had a lot of things go against them last year. Retirements at the start of the year. Players not there and, and just a few different bits and bobs going against them but to pull through beat the likes of a Galway beat Dublin as well you know huge moments for Mayo and yes it didn't work in the All-Ireland Final we all know that but look Mayo are looking good for 2022 and I was delighted today to speak with Mayo based journalist Dara Berry for this season preview we discuss all things Mayo including last year's final against Tyrone where it went wrong looking at that Dublin game as well and, and some of the I suppose, memories of that game and, and looking back at Mayo over the past couple of years and, and where it's gone wrong in, in finals and where it's gone right on the lead-up to finals. And we also spoke about James Horn and, and some of the great work he's done for Mayo in the past three seasons. And we spoke about maybe some new players that could come into the panel and how Mayo might approach the 2022 National Football League as well. So, uh, yeah, I do very much appreciate anyone who's tuning in today. And if you could leave a like and subscribe, I would appreciate it if you have haven't already and uh, if you are subscribed i do appreciate that and if you could leave a comment as well let me know what do you think will happen with mayo in 2022 is mayo finally the year they end the drought they end the famine well let's get into the podcast then and let's get straight into it Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below. And let's get straight into it okay so here we go i'm here with dara berry of mayo we're here to uh, preview the mayo senior footballers ahead of the 2022 ga season we were chatting off air there dara how's the form anyway you're all good form is good yeah it's it's nice to have the ga back once again um obviously we didn't have the best of the start in the dome against going the fpd but um you know it's still just great to have some form of a sport back once again to kind of get over these january blues as we were saying um you know just to start off i think the dome is a fantastic place to hold those kind of events and you know hopefully i know it has been used in the past for the likes of the citizen cup and stuff like that but definitely going forward like hopefully we can see a lot more you know um national competitions and stuff being held there because it's just a fantastic place like i know from my time of working uh with the western people when i started off in journalism you know a lot of school finals and stuff used to be held in the center of excellence um and you know it's just great to see the publicity that it, you know that it's finally getting um, it's it's fantastic to see not only for mayo but for connor ga in general it's just a great thing to have at our disposal to use yeah absolutely like it looks like a fantastic arena as well like for a lot of different 
people to go into and for a lot of different sports events like even even having under 20 games there or something like that or minor football games like I think that would be something great maybe they could do yeah absolutely I mean <clears throat> I know I was also involved with NUIG when uh, the Sigerson was held down there in 2017 I think it was or 2016 I'm I think yeah 2017 and um, you know there's just so many pitch, pitches down there that can be used I mean there were several games going on at one time it was just fantastic but like uh, as you're saying you know, the likes of an underage game should be held down there, you know, um, and it can draw such a great crowd as well because the facilities are there, which is fantastic. Um, and then obviously to have something like the Dome where you can play there, you know, it can be pissing rain, lashing rain outside as it, as it can be most of the time in, in the West of Ireland and that you've got a great game of football going on inside, you know, that's completely sheltered away from, you know, the, the weather conditions outside because, you know, as I said, with the Mayo Goa game, it was a fantastic high scoring game. Obviously, you know, there's the help that no matter where you kick the ball, it's going to go where you want to go, where you want it to go because of the conditions. But you just, you know, you kind of have to think if that was held outside on that, um, you know, Friday, January day, when it was pissing rain and the, and the ground would have been a bit soggy, would the, the standard have been as good? Probably not, you know, which meant it was fantastic to watch, you know, on, online on the stream. Yeah, like, and, and you're all set for another year anyway, following Mayo, the trials, the tribulations, the, the highs, the lows, and, and all the rest. You're, you're all set for another, I suppose, roller coaster year with the Mayo footballers. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's like that that meme, I think, is it from the office where it's like, I'm, I'm ready to get hurt again. That's just, I think, every Mayo GA fan resets the clock. Even after the, to be honest, after the full time whistle of an All Ireland final, you know, you're upset for a couple of days but you know probably by the end of that week you're already looking forward to you know a new season coming around next year and once all the kind of post-mortem and stuff of that is done of a final or a semi-final whatever it may be you know every Mayo GA fan I know is just ready to get back on the horse again you know the very next year and they're only counting down the days you know to the next out and, and like without you know going on about the FED game again but you know that so many people uh, download or paid for that stream on the Connacht GA website because, you know, obviously with Galway as well, but like I'd say majority was probably Mayo because we're just itching for, you know, itching to see a green and red man walking out in the pitch, you know, from the get-go of a new year, like, and to see new people being trialled out um, as there was that evening. I think there was something like six or seven debutants, which was great to see, along with some of the younger, fresher blood that we would have played over the last couple of years. You know, it just excites Mayo fans every year. Um, obviously, it is hard to try and pick yourself up and, and have the hope year after year. But I think it is probably the hope that keeps most Mayo fans going because if we weren't so... <laughs> not not deliriously that's not the word I'm looking for but like I suppose just so dedicated to the cause it just on those days where you're kind of like oh I can't be fussed with this anymore it just gives you that little bit of hope to go you know what we'll give it a go for another year and see how we get on <laughs> yeah like it seems to be that uniqueness of, of following Mayo in many ways like I know even Dublin and Mayo as, as a Dublin man myself we've certainly had our, our fair share of, of rivalries and, and all the rest like and I don't live too far from Crow, Crow Park so Anytime Mayo are in town, you know about it because they they seem to bring an army of of supporters and unlike any other county, really. Like it's it's quite it's quite mad, really, and crazy to see, I suppose, that the backing and, and the following that, that Mayo have. Like it does seem to be not to say that other counties don't have that support, they certainly do, but it seems to be with Mayo, maybe the the noise levels and the I suppose the expectation just gets rose maybe two or three levels above maybe any other county. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was something that I suppose, like I've I followed Mayo GA since I was, you know, a young lad. So probably you could nearly say for the last 20 plus years, like um, I'm coming 27 now this year. So um, I suppose it was kind of maybe around the 2010, 2011 mark where you just saw a real massive boost in a following in Mayo, probably after actually maybe the two finals in a row, 2012, 2013, like whenever James Horn took over first, that kind of period of 2011 to 2015, you saw a real boost in, you know, fans and, you know, just everybody from Mayo would be traveling up, whether they have a ticket or not, like, or if they're not traveling up, the polls back home are packed, obviously pre-COVID, you know, and I mean, the buzz is just something, you know, completely out of this world and you know without taking away from any other county i'm sure every county has a similar kind of mass cult following but in mayo i think it's just that bit more and that bit more special as well you know i've heard of people flying home from you know america and england and stuff for games and then flying back that night and that's just what it means to people like you know they they don't want to miss out on that moment and i'm not just even on about a final like i mean you know i know of one person in particular um he was actually he's actually is a good friend of mine and like you know his family flew over for the Galway game the Mayo Galway game the kind of final last year in crow park like because they just you know it was such a momentous day and they they wanted to be there for it and you know they are big fans you know, I suppose there's probably a lot of people who might say that there's like a sunshine brigade down in Mayo or like, you know, the fair weather fans kind of thing. But I think 95% of the people that you see knocking around Crow Park on, on All-Ireland Final Day have probably been there from the start and would have probably been itching to get into the Dome the last day, you know, to have a piece of the action as well. So it is something very special. Um, and I suppose it's just, again, down to that kind of journey where you know, we're so used of the process now and we just, we don't know how that process ends. Like we, we do, you know, we've done it year after year. We know what it's like to get to a final. We know what it's like to be so close, but I think people and more and more people are kind of etching on every year, every year, because they just want to see how that story plays out. What does that feel like to actually end that story where you've won, you know, you've done what you've came to do. So I think that's why the, the, the following gets bigger and bigger every year. And another thing that's great to see is, you know, the amount of young people that are getting involved in Mayo GAA, you know, that anytime, you know, there's a game on in McHale Park or anything like that, you know, whether it be, you know, the start of a national league or, you know, the first rounds of a, a Connacht championship where you're playing a quarterfinal against Leitrim, you know, you'll see the four and five-year-old girls and boys out in their full kit ready to cheer on. Like, and, you know, they're just as devoted as, you know, I probably am because they've been bitten by that bug already and it's probably been passed down from you know, a family member who's the exact same. So, yeah, it's a big never-ending cycle when it comes to the Mayo GA fan base. And I don't think it'd ever end, no matter how, you know, successful we might get or how unsuccessful we might be in the future. I think there's always going to be that bit of a following there. Yeah, I suppose we're, we're following on and backing like that, you can definitely expect to see, I suppose, that continued level of, of support for the next couple of years. How ultimately would you look back then on, on that Tyrone defeat in the All-Ireland Final and how would you reflect back on on that game? Because I suppose it was monumentous, obviously beating the Dubs, well, from your point of view anyway, a few weeks previously and then going in against Tyrone. I think Mayo were favourites, but I think a lot of people I spoke to still kind of fancied Tyrone, but it was still, it was very neck and neck in terms of a lot of people, you know, predicting either way. So what way did you look at it and what were your thoughts on, on how the game panned out? I suppose on a fan level, and I mean, you probably wouldn't have admitted this at the time, but I know for myself, after beating Dublin, you know, there was always something in the back of your mind thinking, okay, well, we've done 
what we've tried to do for the last, you know, seven, eight years. We've finally done that. So I think, I know, and I can only speak for myself, I know I felt like jumping over that hurdle, there was a part of me thinking, this has to be it. Surely nobody can stop us now. And then, obviously, with the whole Tyrone Kerry debacle, you know, a lot of it was we had in our mindset that it was going to be Kerry, going to be Kerry. So then when we got the news that it was Tyrone, again, a little bit of us was kind of like, or a part of me uh, was thinking that's probably even a better option than we expected. Like, you know, we were thinking we were going to carry. Now we've got Tyrone. That's probably up to our chances a bit more. But, um, you know, I mean, on the pitch, look, and it's no more than any year that we've lost the All-Ireland final. The better team won on the day. I mean, you know, two two goals were the big difference in that game. And, I mean, they were very unrealistic um, or un- unrealistic for us to concede as a team. We're normally so solid in, in the defence. So to kind of let in two easy enough goals like that was obviously a massive kind of shock from the stands. And you could just kind of feel it was something that, you know, after the first goal get it, came, it went in, you could kind of feel a bit of a shift change. And obviously the second goal was just kind of the final nail in, in the coffin. Um, as well as that, I suppose, if you're talking about moments that kind of change a game, when you look back at the Dublin game, you know, everyone has that, you know, picture perfect moment of Dermot O'Connor leaping towards the sideline and keeping that ball in. I suppose the changing point in the final was probably the penalty miss. If that goes in, that goes in. It's a completely different game. I think were we possibly leading if that if that goal had gone in. But I mean, it just it goes back to ifs and buts. And you know, that penalty miss. Ryan O'Donoghue who was one of our best players last season. I mean, and for him of all people to have missed that penalty was just so heartbreaking because. You know, and thankfully it didn't define his season. Like, you know, a lot of people will have great memories of what he did in the games previous to that and even that game. And he started, you know, even this campaign with the bang the last day when he came on, he pointed a load of frees against Galway and a couple from play. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, just in terms of ifs and buts, like at, at the end of the day, the better team kind of won. Do you know what I mean? And that's what it comes down to, do you know, like Tyrone's kickouts were superb. Like, I, I can't remember... Uh, any of them being misplaced <laughs> they all seem to be, be going in in the exact direction where they wanted to be and were being fielded by you know Tyrone players and I mean you know at the end of the day they just deserve to win same as you know Dublin deserved to win in the previous meetings that we've had with them same as Donegal deserved to win in 2012 we just weren't good enough on the day and I mean you know if that game had been played again on a different day who knows we might have came out and won because you know maybe we were that stronger bit of a team on paper but yeah, on the day it just wasn't wasn't ours, and I mean, I suppose that's probably a lot of that's probably what a lot of Mayo fans struggle with. That you know, and, and again, I can only speak from my own uh, personal kind of encounters where you're thinking like, how have we let that one go? Like, how have we let this one slip? And uh, yeah, it's just, at the end of the day, it just wasn't meant to be, you know. And you can go over and over it in your head. And as I said earlier about the post mortems they can go on for a good week where you're, you know, you're looking back over the game and you've watched the the highlights five, six times now, but at the end of the day, you just have to park it same as the players do and get on, get on with it and get on with the new season. And like, I know we get a bit of a reputation from outside of the, the county as being chokers and bottlers and all that. And, you know, it is probably a term that hurts the players and the fans, but, you know, I think, Every Mayo team that's ever went out onto a pitch on an All Ireland final day has gone out playing the best that they can play. Do you know, it's not like, 
nobody's ever gone out and decided, you know what, I'm not really feeling it today or, you know, or is backed out last minute. Everyone's always gone into it 110%. And I mean, we just have to back the lads and support them and congratulate them when they win and, you know, obviously be there for them when they get defeated too. Yeah, because I suppose plenty of close moments in a lot of those finals. And I think from, I suppose, a neutral point of view watching that final, like the thing that surprised me the most anyway was how comfortable it was for Tyrone in the end, especially in the final 10 to 15 minutes. Like I've often been there watching Dublin and, and Mayo finals and it's never over until literally the final whistle blows. Like it goes down to the last kick of the ball or a last kick out or, you know, there's inches, you know, a grain of rice could nearly split the two teams as, as Paddy O'Shea once famously said. So you were, you were looking at that final between Mayo and Tyrone and it, it was surprising from a neutral point of view looking at the final 10 to 15 minutes or so and seeing how comfortable it was for Tyrone and like a, like for myself, I'm not too sure really why that was. Like any any reasons for yourself? You think maybe why Tyrone won that so comfortably, or do you think it was just maybe the way the game panned out? I think it probably it is going back to the I think the second goal. Once that kind of goes in, I think there's no kind of coming back from that. And even to go back as early as when the first goal goes in after the penalty miss, it just you kind of you could feel it even in Crow Park that day. There was just a bit of a a shift, you know, where it was like Mayo were on top and then it just looked like it was going to be Tyrone's day after that, that everything, not everything, sorry, but just a few kind of small margins were going their way. But um, it was a bit of a shock to see, especially after the second half performance, and not even a second half performance against Dublin, the last kind of 15 minutes of normal time against Dublin was some of the best football I've ever seen Mayo play, you know, in terms of pushing up, trying to get the ball back off the dubs who were happy to just ping it side to side and hold on to it. And then to, you know, get that ball back and create chances and create the scores. Like I've never, or sorry, I haven't seen a passage of play that good in, I don't know how long, like, you know, um, especially against a top team like Dublin. So I suppose there was always that hope from the stands that we were going to replicate that again in the final kind of 15, 20 minutes against Tyrone. But it was kind of evident as it was kind of, you know, ticking towards the end of the clock you could kind of tell no I think we probably gave our best performance against Dublin and you know that we're just going to miss out here again and yeah I think you know if you're going to talk about three or two turning points in the game it's got to be that penalty miss which as I said before it's got no reflection on the player that took it it could happen to anyone um, and then you know Tyrone going up the pitch and getting that goal as well you can just you can just see it completely flips the game on its head. Like I mean, we're winning, and then all of a sudden we have the chance to extend that lead, and then all of a sudden it's just been taken from us completely. And Tyrone are you know completely all over us then, and we're the ones scrambling to try and get that score back. So it was it was a tough one to take the Tyrone one. I mean, as you mentioned there about Mayo Dublin, we always felt like we were playing the best team in the country, and you know even like our games were obviously so close and, you know, there was maybe a point between them and obviously after a few replays and everything, but you always felt leaving Crow Park that you've been beaten by the best team of probably, you know, my generation that I've ever saw. So no more than kind of Donegal in 2012, where you felt like that was our best chance in recent years. I feel like we'll look back in Ty against Tyrone and also think kind of the same that, oh, you know, if only this had happened and only that happened. But again, it just it's going back to ifs and buts. Um, but yeah, I suppose, you know, without uh, a, you know, uh, insinuating anything, maybe towards those last couple of minutes in the Tyrone game, the Mayo lads had just run out of steam because I suppose it's just such a, a long campaign, um, you know, between the National League and 
of, of last year and then, you know, finishing the National League and finishing the championship in such a quick and hurried fashion in 2020 as well. Probably just the legs weren't there towards the end of that game. And, you know, you can't blame them, blame them for that, for the shift they'd put in for the previous 18, 20 months, you know. Mm, and you mentioned that win over Dublin, like, um, I suppose the the celebrations a full time and, and how big of a moment it was considering, I suppose, how consistently Dublin had beaten Mayo since 2012 and I suppose the rivalry between the two teams. Like, I mean, I'd imagine it was a big moment as well to, to get one over on Dublin and, and, and get that victory. And I don't think many, like, although Dublin certainly probably didn't look at their absolute best going into that game, when you were looking at the first half, Dublin were cruising. There were, I think, five or six points in front. It was looking, it was looking like there was only going to be one team that was going to win the game, especially with the experience of Dublin. But and it was mad because I remember, like, I watched the game back there only a couple of weeks ago, and you, you go back and you remember that Mayo really didn't play well until about fifty minutes. It really wasn't until that German O'Connor flick where they really seemed to to turn the screw and, and turn things around. So, but imagine turning that one around, getting the win, like the the German O'Connor flick and. Obviously, the Robert Henley point as well. And I thought Ryan O'Donoghue was exceptional in, in extra time. He was brilliant. So, you know, although there was that negative of losing the final, at least you, I suppose you can look back at the year and think, well, look, listen, at least you were the team that eventually ended Dublin's reign, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, just to, to specify about Ryan again and, and the penalty miss, I mean, he was fantastic in that final and as well in that semi-final, like, I mean, he was one of our most influential players, like, um, so like, you know, I don't want to kind of hamper his performance just off one kick of a ball, not at all. I've, I think Brian O'Donnell is going to end up being one of the, the best forwards in our team over the next couple of years. But yeah, I mean, that, that Dublin game was something special. Um, obviously as a Mayo fan, you know, we don't have, as I was saying already, the experience of what, you know, winning in All-Ireland feels like and what, it feels like to finally get to the top of the summit. But I suppose if you're talking about days that are really monumental in our life, I mean, along with that win against Dublin um, in 2021, winning the National League in 2019 and probably beating Kerry in 2017, because I know for my generation, you know, growing up, Kerry had caused us so much kind of heartbreak and misery in my lifetime. That was the first time I'd actually ever seen, you know, Mayo beat Kerry in person, you know, in a, in a championship game. And although I was lucky enough to be at the 2012 Mayo Dublin game, you know, obviously there had been so much heartache in between that game to us finally beating them in 2020 that it was just, it felt like such a release. Like, you know, it felt as a fan, you know, as I've previously said, it just felt like, okay, we finally jumped that hurdle that has been tripping us up all those years before. Like, surely what else can be put in our way? Um, and again, without kind of, generalizing and talking for anyone else you know I can only go off my own experiences like I know coming out of Crow Park that day um you know there was Dublin people shaking my hand being like congrats you know this is it you have to do it now and you know even in my head that was what I was thinking for those kind of hour and two as I was making my way out of Crow Park and making my way back into town for a pint I was thinking this is it surely this has to be the year like you know there's there's nothing left that can can stop us after finally slaying our biggest rivals over the last six seven years but um yeah like as we've mentioned before kind of putting the the last 15 minutes of the Dublin game side by side with the last 15 minutes of the Tyrone game you wouldn't feel like it was the same team at all like I mean what that Mayo team did in those final 15 minutes you know, was just extraordinary. Like they, they didn't deserve to, to, to get that game back to a draw and to bring it to extra time. 
you know, and they somehow managed to do that. And then same as I was talking about the shift in the Tyrone game where you could just feel like, oh, we've we've let this go. I think Tyrone are going to, you know, plow on from here. When the full or the final whistle went and we were going into extra time, like you just felt like this is it. Like we've, the doves are rattled now. Like this is our chance to get going here and to finally put this all over the line and get it out, you know, over and done with kind of. And I mean, I suppose it's funny looking back at it now with those two contrasting kind of final 15 minutes where I would have felt the complete opposite in the final. I felt like, you know, we were going to be unstoppable no matter what the dubs threw at us in extra time. We were coming out of there with the win. I was just like, you know, if we've managed to turn this game around to, to this point, we're not letting it go now, you know. Um, and again, it was just, it was remarkable to see. Like, I mean, all of a sudden it was like something clicked in that Mayo team and, you know, they started pushing up and, you know, really putting pressure on the Dublin team. And, you know, I've never seen our kicking as accurate and solid as it was in those kind of final 50 minutes and into extra time too. Like I remember one point from Darren Cohen on the sideline. Um, I, I can't remember if it was in normal time or extra time, but um, just gets a quick pass out to the sideline. He's, he's basically touching the sideline, hugging it. And he just catches the ball and without thinking it's dropped onto his foot and kicked over. And he must be, I'd say maybe 30, 35 yards out and it just swings over and, I suppose if you're looking at the fine and points again, you could look at that and just say, if the likes of that is going over from there, you know, nothing is stopping us. We can literally kick from every, wherever we want to and we're going to win this game. So, yeah, I mean, again, speaking from my own personal uh, experiences that day, I can safely say now I got a bit carried away <laughs> and, and thought, I suppose, treated that as maybe the All-Ireland final, which was unfair to Tyrone and unfair to Kerry who hadn't played yet. And, you know, probably unfair in myself as well for letting myself get carried away. Um, and I could probably sit here and say, oh, it's definitely something I would have learned from again. But, you know, if we were to be carrying Dublin, you know, in a semi-final this year and you'd be facing the likes of, I don't know, maybe a lesser team so-called than I would have thought Dublin and Kerry would be, I'd probably let myself slip back into that thing again. I think it's just, it's probably the failings of a, a, a delirious fan like myself where you just you know, you eat, sleep and, and breathe, me, OGA. Yeah, it's hard not to, though, in those moments. I think as a supporter, like, you're allowed, you're allowed to have those moments and you're allowed to have those celebrations. Like, I think if you were in, in the moment, like, I think if you were to sit there and be like, oh, I'm not going to celebrate this or I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too carried away because there's a final. I think you're nearly, you're nearly spoiling it for yourself in many ways because it's still a, it's still a huge moment and, and all the rest. Like in terms of the players, do you think even maybe some of them maybe got carried away with that victory over Dublin? And do you think maybe considering, I suppose, the, the rivalry between Dublin and Mayo down the years, it was nearly like, you know, it was nearly like toppling a mountain or it was nearly like you, you hadn't reached the summit yet, but you'd done the part that I suppose all, all Mayo fans, players have been aiming for. Like that was the main aim, trying to stop Dublin. And you felt that if you stopped Dublin, you'd win the All-Ireland. That's usually how it would have worked in, in previous years. So do you think the fact that you finally beat Dublin, but then you still had to regroup, go again. Do you think maybe that kind of, and I suppose the long layoff as well, like between the, the final, because obviously Kerry and Toronto was pushed back a couple of weeks because of COVID. So do you think all those factors maybe kind of influenced a little bit in the fact that maybe that was the reason for the slightly flat performance in the final? No, I don't think so. And I, like I was just going to say to you there before you asked that question, I suppose it is probably, it's up to the players to get carried away, or sorry, it's up to the fans to get carried away, do you know? Mm. And I suppose we have that special right that unlike the players who I can, 
you know, you can be assured that that was just another game to them, even though they bet Dublin in that game, that, you know, that was just kind of game four, you know, or whatever to them. And that, you know, their focus was totally on the final. I have no doubt in my mind that no Mayo player got it carried away by that. Like, I mean, um, obviously, you know, Pork O'Hara's interview after the semi-final was so passionate and, you know, there was tears in his eyes and in a lot of Mayo fans' eyes as well. But I can be sure that, you know, once he dropped the microphone there, you know, that his focus was surely on the, the final, as you said. But um, maybe you're probably right in saying that, like, the, the bit of a break between the two games might have factored in a bit. I mean, if Mayo had maybe played in, you know, two weeks' time or something like that, where the small bit of momentum and, you know, motivation is still high and, you know, the adrenaline is still running from the Dublin game, they might have, you know, it might have made a difference. Again, you're just going back to ifs and buts. I mean, and as any Mayo fan will tell you, you drive yourself absolutely crazy if you were thinking about, you know, well, I wonder if the game had happened, you know, two weeks previous or like, you know, if we had played Tyrone the very next week, like, you know, would it have been different and would we have been still riding on that high from the Dublin game? But um, no, like, I mean, as I said, any Mayo player that's ever gone out on the pitch has only ever gone out to do 100% their best for the team on the day. So I, I can, you know, you can be sure that they were probably as delighted as the fans were about beating Dublin and about getting that monkey off their back. But unlike the likes of myself, who probably, you know, was still thinking about that Mayo-Dublin game for two or three days afterwards and, you know, still watching the game on the, on the Sunday and the Monday after it had happened, you know, you can be sure that the, the Mayo lads just regrouped and, you know, Monday was a brand new, brand new week and, you know, the next game was a brand new game. Um, like, I know that was one of, Horn's philosophies in his first kind of tenure where he was just mentioning the games as game one game two game three game four similar to kind of like a basketball side of things where like you don't get away or you don't get carried away with what the next game is the next game is just you know the next game following on from game four or whatever it might be so no I don't think so I don't think any Mayo player would have ever got carried away with that like I mean you know these are although they're amateurs by trade, they're anything but really like they're professionals that devote themselves to the game, you know, 24, seven, three, six, five. And, you know, the likes of, you know, the Casper Mitchell's lads or the Brafie lads or Bantubber lads in recent years, and even not more lads now who, you know, they're playing Gaelic all around the clock playing GA. So like, I don't think one certain game would get them carried away because, you know, if you win a club final, that's great. And it's, you know, you celebrate that for a day or two or three or maybe even a week. But like, without doubt, that's not going to be good enough for anyone. Your next step is, okay, you know, who have we have in the, in the, or sorry, when if you win a county final, your next step is like thinking, who do we have in the provincial semi, you know, and then so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that would have had a factor at all in the players. But speaking as a fan, it definitely influenced me going forward, yeah. Yeah, and, and looking at the year overall then, because I remember speaking to a, a Mayo fan after the final, and I, like when you when you look at the year overall in, in isolation and in, in 2021, like I think it was a good year for Mayo. I know it's probably hard to look at it as a good year because you're looking at the last maybe 10 years or so and you're looking at all the finals and all the rest. But I think like when you think back, you had Killian O'Connor, who obviously picked up a, a big injury in that Clare game. He's out for the championship. I don't think many people at that moment in time would have expected Mayo to have gone all the way 
and, and, and reaching an All-Ireland final. Like, I think a lot of people around that moment, I remember even some people were even thinking Galway would, would, would beat Mayo. And when you think back, you, you overturn things against Galway when you look down and out at halftime. Same against Dublin. Ushie Mullen was, I think, suspended for that semi-final as well. So you had a lot of things that went against Mayo, but yet you still managed to prevail and, and reach the final, even without probably your best forward and most experienced forward anyway in Killeen O'Connor. So... Although, like, maybe there were some negatives from the final, I'd imagine looking back at the year in isolation, it's probably actually been a good year for Mayo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's easy to get carried away towards the latter end of the the year when you're, you know, in a semi-final or you reach a final. And, you know, obviously your expectations are getting a bit higher then and stuff. But, you know, I'm even I know myself at the start of last year, you know, all I wanted to see was us get out of um, Division 2 in the league you know, to regain Division One status, that was a big thing. I mean, getting relegated the year before was something massive and something that happened hadn't happened to Mayo in, I think, nearly 20 years or something like that, you know. So, you know, in order to be kind of even considered a big team, you you want to be in the Division One of, of the league, like, you know. Um, and it's something that obviously pundits will go on about all the time, like, oh, you know, you can really see the difference between division one and division two. And I just wasn't, it wasn't something that I wanted to get Mayo branded with, you know, that, oh, well, no wonder they, you know, ran out of juice against Tyrone because, you know, after all their division two team or, you know, something kind of silly like that. So obviously the expectations at the start of last year were get out of division two and regain division one status and win the Connacht, you know, championship. That's, and that's something that should be kind of strove to do every year. Like, I mean, you know, this year now we have Galway in the quarterfinals of the Connacht Championship. And I mean, that's going to be such a big game because straight away, one of the big hitters from the West is going to be, you know, in the back door. And, you know, if it is the likes of Mayo, it's it's a long way to even get into a semi-final or, you know, out of, you know, out of um, the qualifiers from there. Like, you know, I think you go in at, is it round two or something like that? So, and you could be, you could end up facing the likes of, you know, a really strong Kerry or Cork team, you know, or, you know, someone from the North or even the likes of an upset. If someone was to knock Dublin out, you could end up getting them the qualifiers. You know, it's not an ideal path for anyone to take. And I know it's something that Mayo has done in 2016 and 2017 and getting to finals, but like, you know, it, it can, you can just tell it takes its, its toll on the players. Like it's a long way around. So not only to, to beat you know, Galway, or not only to get through the quarterfinal, but to also beat Galway, who are, you know, our biggest rivals on a local level. Like, you know, before, you know, you've ever talked about Dublin or Kerry with Mayo, it's always been Mayo Galway, you know, and that stems back to probably before I was even born. But, you know, looking at like 96 and 97, when we were in all Ireland finals back to back, you know, knocking Galway out of Connacht Championships. And they, they, then they come the next year and end up winning the All-Ireland and kind of leapfrogging ahead of us. And, you know, there was always, there's always that kind of tense rivalry there. And, you know, it's great to see that back alone because it had kind of faded in recent years with Galway where they were struggling to kind of, you know, get a team together. And that could challenge for, you know, even Connacht, never mind to, you know, win Connacht and go that one bit further. But, you know, they seem to have a really strong team now. And that just goes to show even with, the Connacht final this year up in Crow Park, or sorry, in 2021 up in Crow Park, as you, you know, mentioned to there, you know, Galway were on top of that game for ages. And it probably just came down to maybe a lack of inexperience in those situations for the Galway team that they didn't see that out because, you know, after halftime, we came back, I think, was it a penalty? 
a goal, a goal from a penalty probably brought us back into the mix of things again. Um, but yeah, like as you said there, the momentum was a go in that first half. So, you know, I don't want to get too carried my way away myself by saying, you know, oh, you know, we're going to win Connacht and that's going to put us in the right place, you know, and hopefully we'll end up back in an All-Ireland final this year. That's that's kind of not the way to look at things at all. Like, you know, first of all, you want to hold on to your Division 1 status. You know, it's going to be a tough Division 1 campaign. Like, and I mean, us not having home advantage at all this year, really, which is the case. Like, I know we have games down that are home games, what they're being played in, you know, Dr. Hyde Park or Markovic Park and stuff like that because Miguel Park isn't ready yet. You know, it's going to be a tough Division 1 campaign, I'd say, um, because you're you're essentially playing seven games away from home, you know. Um, so as a fan, I suppose you'd be hoping for us to just hold on to our Division 1 status. That'd be rule number one, our kind of ex- expectation number one. And anything above that in the league, then it would be fantastic. Like if we were to get to, you know, a semi-final or a final of a league, that would be great. And it would be a great experience for the lads as well to be playing, you know, top teams in a, in a you know, serious setting like that. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about it, you're probably going to be facing off against the likes of a Dublin, a Kerry, you know, or a Tyrone again, you know, who'd be hoping to get back into those kind of positions in the league. But yeah, definitely step number one would be to hold on to Division 1 status. We don't want to end up back down in Division 2 again. It's just not where any Mayo fan or player or manager wants to be. And then beating Galway is essential, you know, without, you can't even say, you know, oh, winning Connacht is definitely something that we, we need to do. Beating Galway is the first step, like, I mean, and it's a massive first step. And even then, you know, it's not really a closed shop because Roscommon have proved to be a really strong, strong team in Connacht as well in the last couple of years. So like, you know, personally, I won't be making the same mistake I did with Dublin where I thought, oh, once we beat them, that's it, the cup is in our hands because Roscommon could definitely come out then and, you know, and, and blow Mayo away and end up, you know, walking away with it like they have done in previous years. Like, you know, um, so definitely, you know, a strong league campaign and a good win against Galway and I'd be happy then I'd, you know, I'd be ready to go for another season. And hopefully you would think that the win against Galway might help us along the way with a kind of title. But again, <laughs> that's all ifs and buts and getting carried away with myself. So yeah, you just kind of have to take it one, one game as a time too. But, you know, as a fan, you do let your mind wander the odd time. And I mean, I'd be lying if I said that there's not a day goes by that I don't think about Mayo winning the All-Ireland in some shape or form. And I, that's, it might be sad, but I'm probably sure that there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other Mayo GA fans out there like me. So, um, you know, even on the likes of this January day, my mind will wander at some stage from work and, you know, think about someone kicking a, you know, a winning score in an All-Ireland final or, you know, someone lifting a cup somewhere, but then you just kind of get dragged back to reality yourself. But, um, yeah, I think that's thoughts that every kind of fan has. But when you finally come back down to earth, you're kind of thinking, OK, no, you just want to see, you know, one win at a time and, and get over every step gradually, like the players do, I suppose. Yeah, like I, I suppose, you know, you know, I can compare a little bit maybe before the 2011 final as a, as a Dublin fan kind of leading up to that moment, because like I was born in 95. So Dublin, that was the last time Dublin had won in All-Ireland. So it was a 16-year drought. So I hadn't experienced it up until that point and going, going to all the games at Crow Park and, and all the rest. So, yeah, you know, obviously Dublin, thankfully enough, I didn't have to wait too long anyways. Like the first final we got to, we won, thankfully enough. But yeah, I can imagine it so much so, like as a, as a Mayo supporter, when you, you've been to all those games, been to all those big moments and 
the feeling it will probably be when when he's due eventually get over the line. Like and looking at James Horn in, in the last three years, like he's like because when he came in and when he took over, like it definitely did seem like a, a massive sort of rebuilding job in many ways because you had a lot of players retiring and you were bringing through a lot of new players into the team. And you look at a lot of the players that I think a lot of people forget as well that he's given a debut to like the likes of Ryan O'Donoghue and Ushin Mullen and Owen McLaughlin and, and these lads like and to get Mayo to two All-Ireland finals in that time and, and win a National League like he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves really. No, definitely not. And I mean, you know, James Horan's uh, record as a Mayo manager you know, in both stints have just been fantastic. Like, I mean, 2011 to 2015, you know, we were knocked out in two semifinals and, you know, lost two All-Ireland finals. Or sorry, probably is it three semifinals actually and, you know, lost two All-Ireland finals. And then to have the same record again, you know, where Dublin knocked us out of the semis in 2019 and then to lose two All-Ireland finals. I mean, you know, it's it's just a fantastic record um, for him. And I mean... As you said, he's a great manager for blood and new talent. Like, as I said, in the FPD game, I think there were six or seven debutants that were brought on, uh, you know, along with some really good young gems that we've found in the last couple of years, like the likes of Owen McLaughlin and Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy, you know, and then not to mention, obviously, Ushin Mullen, who's a massive talking point in the news at the moment. Like, when you think about the excitement you see of people starting for, you know, Mayo in an FPD game, as I was saying earlier on, it, it's the same feeling you get when you hear the likes of an Oshin Mullen is saying that he's not going away. Like that's such a boost to Mayo. Like, I mean, it would have been such a blow to see him go. I mean, and, and you would have been delighted for him as a Mayo person to think he's getting his chance in Australia. I mean, you know, you'd be wishing him every best of luck that he'd, you know, smash it out there and, you know, come back a successful player and hopefully play for Mayo in maybe six, seven years' time or whenever his career might be, you know, finished on his own accords out there. But, like, I mean, he was front page of the Mayo News Sport, which is uh, the local newspaper down in Mayo this week. And, um, you know, the, the caption was home and away and then the and away was just kind of crossed out. And it's just, it's such a powerful picture and it, it perfectly kind of describes how Mayo fans are feeling at the moment because it's just like he's home and he's here to stay. Um, but go, yeah, going back to James Horan, I mean, you know, he's just, you know, he's blooded a fantastic amount of, of new crop, not even in his second stint now, but like in his first stint, you know, he took over from John O'Mahony, I think was it after 2010, after we'd been knocked out to Longford. And although kind of the transition progress process had already kind of begun under John O'Mahony, you know, James Horn was kind of left to, you know, really put the pieces of that jigsaw together and get, you know, Mayo GA as a, as a county back on track, which he did, you know, straight away in that year, got us to a semi-final, as I said, and, and started the beginning of, you know, uh, five kind of titles in a row, I think it was. Um, so, I mean, no more than the players themselves, like, you know, how... James is able to go back to the well year after year and just, you know, pick himself up and and say, right, I'm ready to go again, you know, and I'm ready to do this. And, you know, nobody would be surprised at all. Like, I know you were saying that with this with this year gone by, that there was a bit of kind of a surprise there that Mayo got to the final. But, you know, when the likes of James Horn is involved, you know, and, and the team he's managing is Mayo GA, there's no, you know, it never ceases to surprise me what we can do. Like, you know, um, and if we were to get in an All-Ireland final at the end of this year, I wouldn't be surprised at all because, you know, between James and his background team, like, and, and the players that are willing to just 
dedicate so much time and effort to the cause, like, you know, to travel the let, length and breadth of the country to train for, for him and for, for the county is just fantastic. So, I mean, it's hats off to James, like, um, you know, you'd no more than the players that have, that are under him and no more than the players that have come and gone. And even James himself as a player previously, you'd really hope that he doesn't leave that seat without an All-Ireland medal. But if he was to, you you know, you would have absolutely zero complaints for the man. I mean, he's given it as all, you know, for mm. on and off. You know, it must be coming on seven, eight years now. And when he does decide to leave, you know, I'm sure it'll be on his own terms because I can't see anyone wanting to push James Horn out for what he's done for, for Mayo GA. Yeah, what kind of players do you think he might introduce maybe in the in the league this year? Because we've seen this year and year out where he has introduced a, a lot of new younger players into the team. Do you think he'll introduce a new couple of players in, in the league this year or maybe he might go full strength? And I suppose if he does introduce new players, what new faces maybe could Mayo fans expect to see in the team maybe in, uh, in 2022? Yeah, I suppose with the start of the league, one of the big things is um, Matty Ryan, I think, is out for the first two games of the league after getting the red card against Tyrone in the final. So I suppose that's that's one position straight away that you're thinking, right, how am I going to fill this? And, you know, I suppose maybe Conor O'Shea might be, you know, someone who we might see again filling that role in midfield for Mayo. You know, obviously Conor Loftus has been fantastic there the last couple of years. Um, you know, in terms of new faces, I suppose people that we've seen come on, you know, against Galway in the FPD League, like I just have their names on here, um, Donegan McHugh, Frank Irwin, uh, Sam Callanan, Fiona Duffy, um, Rory Kane, Justin Healy, Paddy Heenahan. Um, I think there was one more to that as well. I, I have seven in my mind of those that started. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see those, you know, on, on a bench for Mayo and maybe being introduced and trickled in to the odd, maybe last 15, 20 minutes of a game. But I think you're right in saying that, you know, they're going to want to start the league campaign strong. So, I mean, I can I can see us fielding a very, you know, experienced and confident 15 almost in every game with maybe the, you know, the additional one or two or three coming off a bench that we might not have seen before. Um, I suppose one thing that we've kind of been playing with the last few years is our keepers. And I know like Robbie Henley and David Clark had battled that out for many years previous and then obviously David Clark retired I know Rory Byrne from Castlebar Mitchells has kind of been on and off in on the starting 15 as well so I say maybe you know the league might be a way to kind of find maybe finalize that position for the Mayo team I think everyone else's positions are kind of fairly rock solid you know um the likes of Killian O'Connor coming back into a team as well for the league I don't know if he's going to be back in time or not but you know it's a great thing to have because it's going to spur on the fours that we had already there when he was injured last season. It's going to want to, you know, they're going to want to up their game and, and prove to them that they can take Killian's spot and then to have the boost then of also Killian coming back and, you know, that ex amount of experience and having the all-time top scorer there to rely on is great. Um, but yeah, I think if, if I was to focus on anything, it would probably be initially seeing who is going to replace Matthew Rand for those first two games. Like, are they going to issue some new blood in there? Or, you know, if we're going to go with some familiar faces again, and then to finally nail down the, the keeper position, like, you know, is it going to be Henley's for the year? You know, are we going to see Rory Byrne come in and snatch it off him? Or is there going to be someone else from around the county that's going to want to have a go? So, yeah, it is interesting to see. And it's the type of thing that, 
it could completely change. You know, the first game of the year, you might see the team sheet and think, Jesus, I didn't expect to see that person in there or that person playing in that position, you know. So I suppose only time will tell. Um, one of the big things as well is the new captaincy, you know, having Stephen Cohen there, who is, uh, you know, a proved winner at underage. Um, I suppose, you know, he knows what it's like to, to lift cups and it's great to have that, you know, young blood of a captain too. And, you know, he's really upped his game and proved himself over the last couple of years in, in, in that senior Mayo squad. And then to have Paddy Durkin as well as co-captain who, you know, in, in my head, if you had asked me last year, if, you know, for 2022, I might've even said that Paddy Durkin would have been worthy of being the captain himself. But, um, you know, he's a great man to have by your side to spur a team on, you know, to get that, you know, uh, equalizing point or a winning point from far out when you need it to, or make that play. You know, he's another man that's going to be, you know, a badly needed asset in a Mayo team, you know, in a in a, in a team talk or a huddle to kind of get guys motivated and, and get them ready. You know, if they're maybe two or three points down at half time, I have a feeling that he, you know, he might have the words of wisdom to, to come out with something that's going to spur someone on. And then, sorry, and then to have Tommy Cronroy as well as another co-captain, you know, a, a young blood that was, you know, brought in by James Horan and has really proved himself time and time again, you know, as a fantastic uh, scoring forward, you know, whether it be points or goals, you know, I think it's just three strong people there that, you know, even younger lads coming in now can rely on and look up to, uh, even though they're young people, you know, young players themselves, that they can say, you know, these are lads I can aspire to to be and, you know, that I won't be afraid to kind of like look to them for guidance or for, you know, inspiration if the if a game is, you know, in the melting pot and, you know, we need to drag out something from somewhere. So, yeah, it's it's a promising year. Um, again, you know, I have no expectation and I have every expectation at the same time, that kind of way, you know, it's just like all your wildest fantasies are always running in your head. But at the same time, you're just like, I really just hope that we're there or thereabouts at the end of the season. Like I hope our season is going to be cut short and we're left watching on from the sidelines as another West of Ireland team plows on and, you know, and does good things. Yeah. Like, and you mentioned Oshie Mullen coming back in as well. Like obviously a huge plus with the fact that maybe, you know, obviously I'm sure you wanted to go to Australia himself and obviously that hasn't quite worked out in the end and back in the Mayo team and, and looking at Mayo in general, like no, doesn't seem to be many retirements this year compared with previous years. Like it looks like maybe this year, you're going to have probably more of a settled squad in terms of James will probably know more so his, his best start in 15 compared maybe with previous years. Cause you think back to last year, like losing obviously uh, David Clark who, who retired and a couple of other defenders obviously retiring as well. So I feel like this year he'll probably know more or less his start in 15, maybe from the offset, which will definitely be a big plus in, in that national league campaign. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, even, like, I don't know the average age of, of the Mayo team now off the hand, but, like, you know, I can assume it's come down an awful lot in recent years from the new blood that has come in. And with that as well, you know, if if there was any kind of maybe surprise retirements at the end of this campaign, I feel like it wouldn't be panic stations or anything like that. I feel like, you know, you can kind of tell in James and the way he's planning and the way he's bringing new players in that, you know, these lads are, are taking over positions for the next 10, 12 years, you know. And I mean, as I said, as, as great as it's to see the likes of a Killian O'Connor back, you know, it would also be very exciting to think, you know, Killian O'Connor's on the bench because these six other forwards are, you know, have been performing so well in training that he just can't get a place, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't, 
I think, yeah, I think you're right in what you're saying there. Like, obviously, knowing that you're kind of rolling over from last year in terms of a squad and that there's, you know, nobody injured, you know, or no new injuries, fresh injuries coming in, you know, that nobody's retiring, that you're after holding on to one of the best players in the country at the moment, you know, which is, uh, you know, he's won Young Player of the Year, but I mean, he could be up there for Footballer of the Year, even this year, you know, or next year going forward. Um, I think James will be happy with the squad he has at hand, yeah. And yeah, it'll just be a case of, you know, obviously with the league, it's great to win it, you know, but as I was saying earlier, it's more of kind of important to just regain the status and have some sort of an idea of what team you're going to be piecing together for Galway in, in April. And yeah, I think he'll have a, he'll have a general idea of what the starting 15 he wants going forward. But um, I suppose the league is a perfect time for maybe one or two other people to surprise him and, and to say, oh, well, I can't leave this person out either, you know? Yeah, and, and looking ahead to the All-Ireland Championship then, I suppose, what do you think then? Is, is 2022 maybe finally the year where Mayo finally end the, the long drought for the All-Ireland Championship and, and the Sam McGuire or, or what do you think? It's obviously a long time away yet and I'm sure plenty of trills and spills along the way, but what do you think could, could 2022 finally be, be the year for Mayo? <laughs> exactly. Every every year you go into it thinking this is going to be our year and Mayo for Sam 2022. But, um, you know, you have a Kerry team coming there that are going to be so disappointed that they got knocked out in the semis. You know, you have a Dublin team that are going to be coming back you know, absolutely raging that they've let go of their title and they're, you know, they're seven in a row. Um, you know, obviously you're going to have the defending champions then in Tyrone as well, who aren't going to back down and, you know, they're going to want to hold on to their title as well as like a couple of teams in Northern or in Ulster, sorry, like so, you know, Donegal and even Armaz breaking through and, you know, could cause a shock in Ulster. Like you just don't know the way that's going to kind of, kind of come out Um but it kind of goes back to what me, what I was saying about, you know, getting through Galway first. That's the bit, you know, the first big hurdle because, you know, I'm sure if Galway were to beat us in uh, in April, you know, they'd even fancy themselves for the Connacht title and, you know, to get into a semi-final position or to maybe even go on and win it themselves. So, you know, I mean, you always hope that Mayor are going to be there, thereabouts. And like at the moment, they probably are. Well, they are. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They're in probably the top four teams in the country. So, you know, obviously, as much as my my heart would love to say, yeah, we're going to do it this year. We're finally going to learn from previous experiences and have have that you know extra edge to get over the line. It's not going to be an easy campaign at all. Um, but you know, as fans, we're going to be just so happy to be on the journey with Mayo again. And if we can pick up a Connacht title on the way, or you know, even a National League title on the way, you know, even better again. And if we can finally reach the promised land, as we've tried to do so many times before, and actually do it you know, words can't even describe what that would feel like. Um, you know, if if you could bottle it up and sell it, you probably wouldn't even because you'd want to hold on to it for yourself forever and ever. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's just a good journey as per usual. But yeah, the heart always says, this is our year, we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I can I can understand that. Like, and I suppose, as you said there, like all oh, we up first in, in the Connacht Championship and, and you have potentially qualifiers in there as well. So I mean, it could be a long enough journey for, for Mayo maybe to, to go all the way. And like you said, there's plenty of good teams in there. Like, what do you think would quantify as a success for Mayo then this year? Do you think it is to win that All-Ireland? Or do you think even coming through Connacht, you know, maybe solidifying in Division 1, maybe a National League crown? Or how would you see it? Like, what do you think would be a success for, for the Mayo footballers this year? Like, I think, I suppose we went so many years without winning Connacht. 
that like you know we had five in a row there in the early 2010s and it just almost became kind of like our rite of passage same as with the dubs you know in in Leinster and even you know with the All-Irelands in recent years that it was like oh you know the Connacht Championships is Mayo's and it's Mayo's to lose so when we did actually start finally losing that you know speaking personally again as a fan I was just like there's something not right about this like in order to be the best team in Ireland you kind of want to be the best team in your own province first so I think you know having a good league campaign and winning a Connacht title would be a great start for Mayo I'm not saying it would be you know what the expectations are in the in the county board at the moment like you know obviously the main the main expectation for Mayo in the last you know 10 years has been to win an All-Ireland like I mean you can't keep getting that close and that close and then people dropping down the expectations and saying, oh, well, a, a Connacht medal is good enough. A Connacht medal is fantastic and it's it's a great achievement to have. And it's something that, you know, not only would put us out ahead of our rivals in Connacht, you know, Galway and Roscommon, but it kind of just, you know, it kind of just helps reinstate the fact that Mayo are a force to be reckoned with because, you know, in, in 2016 and 2017, when we got to All-Ireland Finals, you know, we had been knocked out really early on in, in Connacht Championships against Galway. And, you know, we were just constantly written off then game after game, even in the qualifiers. It was like, oh, you know, could Mayo slip up today? And as well as that, I'm sure the qualifiers take their toll on players. It's not the ideal path to get to a, an All-Ireland final, you know, and I'm sure... You know, I'm, I think Kerry have done it in the past where they've got knocked out and ended up coming back and winning it. But, you know, ideally, it's like, you know, if I was to drive to Dublin this minute, like you're going to want to head on the motorway. You're not going to go through all the back roads because it's going to take you way longer. Like, so I think in order to, you know, deem it as a real success, probably, you know, at a county board level, they're always going to be looking at that All-Ireland final. Like, you know, that's anything short of that is probably going to be not considered a failure, but just considered, you know, oh not good enough here we go again like for next year so you know on a personal level though I would be delighted to see us win Connacht and get that medal out of the way first and then you know to get a spot in the semi-final you know would be fantastic and anything after that is always just a dream and always has been as a player or as a fan and I'm sure it has been as a player too but um yeah I mean with Mayo being as successful as they have been in the last decade you know it's no surprise that people are going to want to see All-Ireland medals, you know, coming in some shape or fashion. So that's probably always going to be the goal at any start of a Mayo campaign, unless it gets to the stage where we're down in Division 4 or something like that and, and getting knocked out of Connacht by Leitrim. No offence to Leitrim, like, <laughs> but, you know, unless something drastically bad happens where Mayo have lost the, the run of themselves completely and are no longer seen at these as one of the great teams of Ireland, you know, I think their goal is always going to be to win, to win Sam. Perfect. Well, look, listen, cheers anyway, Dara, for coming on. Really appreciate your time and sure look best of luck with, with Mayo for the year. Anyway, I certainly hope that Mayo don't do what he's done last year and beat Dublin, but um, sure look best of luck with it anyways. And, and hopefully we can have more uh, more entertaining games between Dublin and Mayo because we've certainly seen some some cracking games between the two down the years and and, and all the rest and, and maybe another potential All-Ireland final on the horizon. But um, yeah, look, listen, cheers, Dara, for coming on. Appreciate your time and, and appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, no bother. Thanks very much. And Sherlock, best of luck to Dublin as well. And if the two teams were to meet again in, the, in a semi or, or a final, I mean, you just know it's going to be a fantastic spectacle. So, you know, you don't want to see Dublin languishing out of, out of the All-Ireland Championships. You want them there in the mix as well, because 
they are one of the best teams in the county and you want to beat them in order to be the best team in the county yourselves. So best of luck to you and all. <laughs> Perfect. Cheers, Dara. Cheers, mate. Thank you.